previously on Searching for Ghosts. Uh, March the 4th, 2001 was the second visitation with her father. Uh, her father and I were getting a divorce. He lived in Gleason, Tennessee, and Bethany and I had moved to Nashville, where she had started school and uh, got some really good friends and was excited about being able to play ball for the first time and just grow up to be a normal kid. And because I had a restraining order against uh, Bethany's father, I wasn't able to meet him in Waverly at the meeting place to drop her off or to pick her up. Johnny didn't have a vehicle of her own at the time of Bethany's disappearance. I'll explain why in a later episode. This is Christina, Bethany's friend in Gleason that you heard in episode 2, Little Memphis. She is the one that Larry told Johnny was going skating with Bethany that weekend. There would be some days that Bethany would say, I can't come out to play today. Um, and you can hear yelling upstairs. And I felt that something was always wrong yeah. about the something. You know, I knew something wasn't right. There was days like that. Then there was other days where I was allowed to play with her. She was allowed to come outside and do something with me. As adults, we sometimes forget how perceptive kids can be. Some can be very adept at reading the vibe of a room. The young Christina was correct in her assessment. Something was very wrong. I remember one time Bethany was little. She was just like in a little pumpkin seat, and uh, she wasn't walking or anything. His ex-wife had come up to the house to um, to drop the kids off, and at this time I was getting a beating and I can't remember what for, but uh, one of the kids, one of his kids ran out and told their mom, you know, he's killing Johnny, he's killing Johnny. So she came in the house, and she tried to get him off of me, and he beat her up too the same day. I remember Johnny telling me before she even decided to leave him and, and moved to Nashville. This is Jenny Markowski, Larry's daughter from a previous marriage, and Bethany's half-sister. Uh, even she was like, you know, Bethany's getting older, and she said, Jenny, he, he won't even let me and Bethany be in the same room by ourselves together. Yeah. Um, and he's getting what he's doing to Bethany, what he was doing to you guys. And his kids used to always tell me, you know, what are you going to do when Dad starts hitting Bethany? You know he's going to. You know he's going to. Um, and he had started, um, he had started hitting Bethany. I didn't ever see him treat her bad, but when she started getting older, um, and I think that's a pattern. He, he loved us when we were little, but when we started getting older and having a voice of our own, um, it changed. It changed. I came home from work one day, and one side of her face was swelled up where she either said, huh, or rolled her eyes or did something that made him mad, and he had slapped her in the face with the brush. And I noticed as Bethany was getting older, you know, I would see her, you know, um, she'd say something. I, I've seen him smack her back of the head with a brush. I knew I'd stayed too long. I, there was an incident a couple of weeks before where he had a hammer and, uh, you know, was hitting the step beside my head. And for the first time in ever, I just stared at him. I didn't even cry. I just, all I kept thinking was I stayed too long. I stayed too long. I'm Brandon Barnett, and this is Searching for Ghosts, Season 2, Where 
is Bethany Markowski. Johnny had left Larry in January of 2001, just two months before Bethany went missing. According to Johnny, she had to devise a plan in order to leave him. The Markowski household was a controlled environment, so controlled that Johnny already had two previous botched attempts to escape. We ate when he told us we could eat. If he wasn't hungry, nobody was nobody was eating. And that was another thing. If I was able to drive to work, then she couldn't go to school. So every morning she got up and wanted to know, can I go to school today? And, you know, there was no way I was going to be able to get to her. But on the third attempt, the stars aligned. This was finally the right time. That morning, everything fell into place. Lori and my, um, and her husband, Larry, had been trying, I think it was their third time, to come in to get us. But I had to call them when I got to work to, to tell them that, You know, I'm at work, so she's with Larry. He wouldn't let her go to school today. And I never had any money, and my car was always on empty. If I got to drive or he would drop me off, and I was just praying, 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 praying. And it was cold and raining and everything, and the doors would open. You know, people come in to the grocery store. and So the woman up front had called and asked me to come up front so she could take a break. And I was up by the front window trying to straighten out the little flyers and stuff we had on there and I looked and there was something in the corner behind one of the doors that opened up it was a ten dollar bill I'll tell you about wore the president off of it sticking it in and out of my pocket because God gave me that ten dollars so Johnny now had gas money for her and Bethany's extraction the following day and Lori was determined for the third time to be the charm this was definitely happening now Johnny just had to figure out how to hold on to her newly found funds in such a controlled environment. It was cold and wet. And then I had to figure out how am I going to hide it? What am I going to do with it when I get it home? You know, I figured it out because they were coming the next day and they said, we're coming, period. This is the third time we're coming. So I prayed about it, prayed about it, prayed about it. And, and he he was in a bad mood. We, we hadn't really talked in a couple of days and that night was no different. But the next morning, all the pieces were coming together. In order for Johnny to pull this off, she needed a vehicle, and she needed Bethany to be in school, away from Larry, so that she could pick her up. So the next morning, got up, he was in a good mood. He was talking about us doing our taxes and stuff, and he let Bethany go to school. And I didn't have to be at work till I don't know, about 11 or 12, something like that, and um he told me, he said, I've, I've got to go to Martin. We lived in Gleason. He said he was working on this car for somebody, and they were coming to pick it up from Atlanta. And he had to put the chrome back on it. He said, so you're going to have to drive to work today. I almost passed out because it, it was things were coming together. So Bethany got to go to school, and I was going to drive to work. 
After years of having every aspect of her life dictated by someone else, this was a bold move. She was running off of pure adrenaline at this point. And I tell you what, up until then, that walking out that door, or running out that door, was the hardest thing I'd ever done in my life until Bethany disappeared. Um, it was just pure, stinking fear. Just scared to leave and scared to stay. And before you think that Johnny is exaggerating about how tight Larry's hold was on her, listen to how difficult it was for her to get away from the house without him even being there. So he got in his truck and I watched him, you know, go down the road and stuff. And, and then I called where he was going and I told her, I said, you know, as soon as Larry gets there, call me. And she started crying. She said, you're leaving. He's going to kill you. But she called me because I just couldn't do anything, couldn't move until I knew he was there. And it had been raining, was muddy, and our driveway, our, our yard was big and it was all muddy, and our driveway was way, the gravel was way down, you know. We, it was it was a track to get to the driveway. And uh, so she called me, and, and then he always, when he would get there, he'd get the phone and keep it with him, and he would call me every 15, 10, 15 minutes. And he did. He called me, told me he was there and everything, and it's okay. So I hung up the phone and just stupid stuff, like a caboodle, like a little kid's plastic makeup thing. I put the mud boots on, and we had dog, a dog and some a rabbit and some horses. So I put the mud boots on, and I ran all the way out to the car and stuck the caboodle in the car. It ran all the way back. The phone's ringing. I answered. I'm out of breath. And he's like, what are you doing? You know, I'm feeding the dog. Okay, well, you know, just checking on you. And then I'd look around the house and grab my Bible. Took off running with my Bible. It's one thing. And, you know, here it came back. And that went on three or four different times. And he was getting aggravated. Are you out of breath for now? I was feeding the horses. I heard the phone ring. But anyway, so I had a little laundry basket. I was throwing stupid stuff. Stupid stuff in. And um, so the last time I talked to him, I told him, I said, well, I'm fixing to get in the shower. So if I don't answer, I'm in the shower. And Johnny's shower excuse bought her enough time to get out. Laid the phone down and took off running. I flung them boots off out in the yard. I don't know where they went. I jumped in my car and I took off to Gleason to school. And I parked around back and Long, crazy, matted up hair running through the school. <laughs> Made it during class, changing. Made it up to the desk and screaming and hollering at the teachers. I need Bethany. She has a doctor's appointment right now. And they were like, you know where Bethany is? Well, they had little trailers out back that they had were doing classes in, and she was out there. So I ran. She, they called her, and she opened the door and had her back, and she said, "Are we leaving, Daddy?" She she yelled across the parking lot. <laughs> so I'm standing at the car screaming, Get in the car! Get in the car! Just screaming like a maniac. And she's just dragging her, you know, just big old smile. 
show them the back seat, put her backpack in there, and then a teacher tuck, stuck her head out the door and said, Bethany, I need your spelling homework. <laughs> You're never coming back, <laughs> you know? At 11 years old, Bethany didn't understand the urgency of this situation. But her cooler head ended up helping Johnny get to Jackson to meet Lori. Get my spelling homework. <laughs> you know, and she walks it over there, teacher hugs her, I'm about to die. Get in the car. Don't have a clue how to even get out of the parking lot. Went totally blank. I, she's like, where are we going? I said, we're going. She took me from Gleason all through the back rows, Tresman, all of them, all the way to Jackson. Bethany not only acted as a navigator, but she also helped Johnny remember some key things that she was supposed to do in order for this to be a successful getaway. Only I had that $10, right? And my car was on empty and Bethany had just a little bit of money that she didn't spend for lunch or had saved from lunch. And then I had to stop and get gas. So I put $5 worth and she wanted some crackers or something in a Coke and got back in the car and she said, aren't you, ain't you supposed to call Aunt Lori? Back then, thank God, there were still pay phones on the side of the road. So I stopped and... All I think I said, I got her or something. Lori's like, go, go, go. And, you know, Bethany's, you know, talking about how life's going to be. And, fussing and evidently, Bethany it. was already looking forward to a new life. After she complained to me about bringing the clothes that were too little for her and the ugliest shirt she owned and her caboodle <laughs> with no makeup in it. You know, after she kind of calmed down, she looked at her fingernails and she said, you think I'd stop biting my fingernails now that we're not going to be with Daddy? My fingernails are grow. I was like, yes. And it didn't take long for Larry to figure out what was going on. We hadn't even made it, uh, I don't even think we'd made it, what, not even 10 miles, barely. Mama called and said that he had already called the house looking for you. Mm-hmm. Well, and I talked to the the people that he was at their house. Um, I think you went with me maybe one time. Um, talked to him years later, and, and she said, I tell you what, when he couldn't get you on the phone, he lost it. He went insane. And he took off, and, and he went looking for you. Um, I mentioned in an earlier episode that Johnny didn't have a vehicle at the time of Bethany's disappearance. Johnny explains. We went to Jackson, ironically, to the mall for my sister and my brother-in-law, Larry, to pick us up. Uh, I left my car at the mall, abandoned my car in the overflow parking. Um. It should be noted that the overflow parking lot where Johnny left her car was the same parking lot outside of the J.C. Penney entrance that Larry Markowski allegedly parked his van to take a nap the day Bethany went missing. Johnny didn't realize until she moved to Nashville just how much control Larry had on her. When we first got here, we uh, went to a little market. I'm sorry, on the corner, because we were staying in an apartment. We were in hiding, 
And nobody was going to be able to come and drop us off food for a little bit, so we needed to try to find some food. And again, it was a little market, but and I never really realized it. Me and as as an adult woman had gone so long without being able to make a decision on her own that I didn't know how to do it anymore. And so Beth Nina and my sister, my brother and I were walking around this little market, and I think my mom was yeah, I was there. And uh, Bethany and I had zero idea on what we wanted. We didn't know. But uh, my sister, again, was at Walmart or somewhere calling me and and asking me and Bethany, you know, okay, I'm on the toothbrush aisle. Do you want soft? Do you want medium? Do you want hard? I don't, I don't know. I don't know what we want. Okay, medium. What color? Do you want pink? Do you want purple? <laughs> you know, it was overwhelming. Do you want a soft hairbrush or a hard hairbrush or... It just, it was too overwhelming. Those were decisions we weren't, we didn't make. We just didn't. Lori's friend Diane talked about when Johnny and Bethany first came to Nashville. When Johnny and Bethany came to us, um, and it was so sad because Johnny, the first minute she walked into my home, she kind of looked around and she said, there's so many windows. And she was very anxious and very frightened. Um... We were sitting at dinner the first night when um, when they came, and, and my husband was always like a big cut-up. And um, we said, okay, we're going um, to have ice cream for dessert. And so Dave rushes out there, and he gets the ice cream, and he's acting all silly. And we're all sitting around the dining room table, and he puts one scoop in the bowl and then he flips another one up and it lands on the floor and all of a sudden Johnny I looked over at because we're all laughing and he's just silly um, I looked over at Johnny and Bethany and they're just like this they're scared they're they're stiff as a board and they're like backing up into their chair and I you know we were like it's okay it's okay and later Johnny told me that she was afraid that David, uh, was going to like flip the table over and start screaming and yelling because this is the behavior that she had lived with prior to coming here. If you have any information about Bethany Markowski, no matter how small you think it is, call 1-800-THE-LOST. Hey guys, Brandon here. Want to support Searching for Ghosts and look cool doing it? Well, now you can and just in time for Christmas. The SFG store is up and running. We have three designs to choose from, including the tree shirt that was inspired by the leaning tree from my front yard that was featured in the season one cover art. We have multiple colors to choose from, t-shirts for men and women, and hoodies. I'll have the link in the show notes of this episode. You can also find the store at the top of the Searching for Ghosts Facebook page. Your support will help us keep SFG going. Thanks guys. On the next episode of Searching for Ghosts. She said, Harold, you're the only one that can help Larry. He's about to lose it. I'm afraid he's going to kill himself or hurt somebody. Bethany's father's here, and we have to let him have her. We, you know, we don't have a court order. Get up here right now. How he had found, how they figured out how he had found the school, because that was one of our questions. How did he know? 
don't see your phone bill. And the phone bill told me where Johnny was at. He got her to the stairs, and Miss Sloan and kind of tackled him. They all went tumbling down the stairs. 